Hey y'all, this is Brent, and before we start, I wanted to give a little bit of setup for this episode. I'm, I'm out in the yard walking my dog right now, but uh, we had some technical difficulties, and I had to, we had some audio issues, so I had, I had to cut a little bit off the front end, so you're going to hear us, you're going to join us sort of mid-conversation, but uh, our guest this week, we're, we're going to be talking about fixation balanza clover, and you've heard us talk about that clover before, particularly Chris and Mitt. We've got Risa DeMacy from Ghost Seed, and they actually developed, bred, and patented fixation balanza clover. So Chris got her on the phone. Well, we tried to get her on the phone. That was some of our technical difficulty. We ended up jumping over to Zoom, but uh, we've got her on the podcast, and it's it's really cool to hear from uh, not just about this seed, but to hear from someone on the development side. Uh, that that's, that's one of the things we didn't really talk about specifically, but it's just cool to be, have a chance to sit and talk with someone who's developing seed like this. And they've got they've got some other varieties, and, and she'll get into that near the end. But uh, hope you all enjoy it. This is a real cool one, and uh, thank you for joining us. Here we go. So Chris... Chris has these connections sometimes that just baffle me. I don't really know how he knows someone as smart as Miss Risa DeMacy. And that's who we got on the show. He pulled some strings and he he, uh, he said, look, I got somebody that can talk it because I think they bred it and and, and, and helped in, you know, and the staff. This is their I'll, let her, I'll let her tell that story. Fixation Balanza. So, so, uh, so Risa, welcome. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. But I don't know about smart, but I'll answer as many questions as I can. Well, tell me where you're at right now. Where where's the where's the Go Seed headquarters at? Our research farm is right here in Salem, Oregon. You know, Miss Rissa, it 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 you know how people get together on things and 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 partnerships and things. It, it's you know we always have a we always have a common denominator, and and mine was. You were doing some research over at Mississippi State with Bronson Strickland. And, That's and, right. And Bronson right. had been uh, planning some of the trials of, of your fixation clover. I started researching it, and, uh, and he let me come over to two to of those sites, and I looked at it. There's no other clover on the market that can take the wet as the fixation Valenza does. And uh, that, that made it for us hunting the swamps in Mississippi and in the south itself. But you know, you was kind of telling me earlier, why does it why does it take that wet so much? You know, you think it's it's bred in Oregon, so you think it's high and dry. But tell me kind of what you was telling me earlier about it. Well, sure. Well, balanza clover itself, as a species, not not as a variety or cultivar, but balanza as a species originates in the Mediterranean, which is a warm, damp, you climate. Know, humid climate. Sure. Well, early on. Um, the early 2000s, we were kind of looking ahead and seeing politically what was happening um, with agriculture and, and what farmers were facing as far as the cost of fertilizers and availability and thinking there's got to be a better solution out there. So we started breeding for um, uh, clovers that could fix nitrogen, I mean, large amounts of nitrogen that could potentially replace or supplement um, synthetic fertilizers that farmers were using, but also knowing that a lot of those farmers also had livestock and that clovers can be a really great forage. So balanza is also a low bloating legume. Um, so it has a lot of fits. It fits a lot of climates. It's got one of the widest pH ranges, you know, anywhere from four, four and a half to eight, eight and a half pH range. Um, so it was incredibly versatile. The, the fact that it fits even more with pollinators and wildlife uh, being ruminant livestock or being ruminants. Um, it's a great fit there. It was one of those that we thought, well, you know, maybe, but it wasn't our, you know, wasn't it? We weren't focused on that specifically, but we love that it has been discovered and is being used as widely as it has. And you're right, Bronson's done a great job with trialing it down there. Um, I've been down there at Bulldog Forest and walked around and looking at the, the different things he's got going. And he does, I think, the best job nationally for wildlife trials, just with the amount of land that he's got, the different um, soil types. Right, he's, he's and, pretty good uh, at what he does. Conditions. Well, his life is he's deer. His his life yeah. are deer. I mean, that's that's the thing about Bronson. He is very very sharp, and he's he's helped me so much on on my farm. Just 
bouncing stuff off of him. And, and, you know, here we're trying to grow the largest antlers. I mean, I'll just say it like it is. Anything that gives us a, a you know, a boost, that, that's what we're looking for, that magic bean out of a sack. And, uh, right, and it's but you need it the whole season. It's not just a one and done where you go in there and just want to hunt over it. You've got to be able to provide that that nutrition throughout the year when they need it. Did you ever did you ever figure that that the fixation blends would be a big food plot? You know, would we be talking in to to two hunting guys well, in Mississippi intent, about it? Yeah. Wasn't necessarily a food plot of wildlife forage, right? It was not. Like I said, it wasn't in our early focus. Um, we. I think we had some conversations about, you know, this would probably work there. Right. Um, but so excited to see how well it's been received. Yeah. So I've heard, I've heard Chris talk about balanza, balanza clover. Fixation. And, uh, balanza clover. Fixation balanza for, for several years. And so it, it it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to hear from you what, what the, these, these real advantages are as far as so, so what, what makes it so much better? Is it the amount of, is it the forage, the amount of forage, the tonnage? Is it, is it that versatility? Because the, the thing Chris always says is that he can grow it, and, and Chris and Mitt both, I've seen it on their places where it grows in these wetter areas where they have poor soil drainage. Well, and I'll, it doesn't relate to your region necessarily, but one of the, the things that we got super excited when we started playing with it was the cold tolerance Um which coming from the Mediterranean, you wouldn't think it would have a cold tolerance, but it probably has the most cold like you know, I've ever seen. I mean, you can go down to negative 15 without snow cover, and this thing will survive as well. Awesome. So not, not really relating to your region, but that was something that got us really excited when we were early on in the breeding process. That, that may have really paid off during that polar vortex we had. Yeah, and it was because of a freak ice storm that we had when we were in the middle of doing a bunch of microplots on some genetics, um, and it killed out 99% of everything we had, which most people would think, well, that's really horrible. For us, that was like, that's the best thing that could have ever happened because it got, it, it sped up that breeding process so much quicker. Um, you got rid of all the fluff, right? And then you had what you really wanted to focus on is what was left. I think another thing that's really unique about fixation, well, not about fixation, but as Balanza as a species, it's very small seeded. So a little bit goes a long way. So when you talk about cost, people get hung up on cost per pound. And then, you know, you look at a price sheet and you're like, oh, well, that looks really expensive. But if you look at like crimson versus, you know, even if crimson is a dollar eighty a pound and fixation's three dollars a pound, and I'm just throwing numbers out sure, there. Sure, sure. Right. If you need if you need three to five pounds an acre, or as Chris plants, I know you plant a little bit heavier than that, mm-hmm. um, versus 15 to 25 pounds of crimson clover to plant, you're still cheaper per acre with fixation than you are with crimson. Oh, there's no question. And here, Rissa, people look at the cost per bag. When you think, uh, Brent, you know, yeah. bag of clover, that's, that's why, um, you know, it was so hard to find. And now uh, we're getting, you know, you're... It, I mean, just to say it like it is, good word travels fast, you know, and 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 people are are talking about it. It's on, it's in a lot of mixes now, and it's in some some different things. So it's getting put out there more than when we first started. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you're in the you're in the. And look for regionally, Chris is a pretty good ambassador for you for. <laughs> For because he, he's been great, and yeah. it's been so exciting to talk to him too. Because it's it's one thing to to create a product and and to have all these ideas about its potential, but then to get to talk to the the, the people that are actually putting it in the ground and using it. Um, well, it's got to make you feel good when they're excited about it too. Yes, absolutely, makes me more excited. <laughs> so three or four of my main clients that that we plan. I mean, you know, they're planting eight to 10 bags of this stuff a year. I mean, they just, that's how much they like it. And, and, um, you know, the, we're looking at different soil types now and we, we were noticing that some of these heavy clays that we're planting in these wet, heavy clays, it seems to be producing so much. And, and that was stuff that we were kind of sweating because, you know, weed, it was a little wet for wheat and it was a little wet for some of the, you know, cereal rise and, and, and the brassicas, but it, it's, the Belenza has, has made its home and it's done really, really well uh, as far as production and as far as, you know, the palatability of what they want 
they're going to it. And, and what I'm noticing on the reseeding Belenza, it's as soon as the temperature gets right here, it starts coming out of the ground. And, and Rissa, when you, when you're at year one planting it, you barely get it up, you know, sometimes a half to an inch, but on the reseeding stuff, when it comes out of the ground, we get in November, I've already got some three or four inches tall. So it, really? it's, it's, it's working, great. it's working really well. And, and so what we're, what we're trying to do now is get fields established. And, and once we get it established, then we have it there. How long have you seen if it's managed right and, and, and taking it to maturity? It's a, like you said, Brent, what you say earlier? What was the term? A prolific reseeder. A prolific reseeder. How long have you seen uh, stands? Maybe I know y'all plant some in some of y'all's pastures. How long are you seeing it reseeding itself? How many years? Well, I think the potential is, and we don't know yet, right? And we're, right. it's still going. Right. I mean, how long have you been using it and how long are you still seeing it? That's right. Seven years. I'm, I'm going on seven years now and it's, it's, it's reseeding every year. And Mitt has not planted some in some certain fields. I think it. I think you may have listened to his podcast, Miss Rissa. He's planting these beans and corn through it, mm-hmm. and with no fertilizer. He's he is the master of the regen food plots, I guess. But he's doing it so he don't have to go put that ammonia, you know, that 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 nitrogen input into that corn. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be curious to know a couple of things. Uh, this is an annual. Is that right? It is. All right. So I think there's probably some misconceptions around clover. And, and, and again, me being more small scale, small food plot guy, in my mind, I think annual is, is I'm redoing it every year, tilling up, replanting every year where perennial is, is what lasts for years on end. But I'm learning now that these clover varieties annual doesn't mean one and done because they're such prolific reseeders. And if you, if you manage the stand, the clover goes to seeds, senesces, you know, at whatever point where the heat, you know, it it lives its life cycle, and then it's reseeded, and then it, so it, it's coming back. Those are new plants year after year, right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. And some clovers have a hard seed, and some don't. Um, Balanza does have a hard seed, which is why we scarify it, which is a process that kind of chips away at that hard seed. Mm-hmm. so that you get a uniform stand the first year of the seed that we're shipping out. So now when it grows and then you see it flower, get pollinated and drop seed, now you've got some hard seed that's down there. So it's it's sitting down there. So some of it's going to germinate right away the next year or the next season. Mm-hmm. And some of it's probably just still sitting down there until that hard seed kind of wears off and still comes in. Um, so it, it can, even if you... Even if you didn't see anything that first time, you'd, you'd, you'd still have seed in your seed bank. And I, you would see seed for sure, uh, maybe just not as full of a stand right. that first time. Right. I just wanted to, I, did, I didn't want there to be a misconception when, when looking at this being an annual. It, it's right. not a one and done. This isn't something you're replanting or rebuying, right. repurchasing it's, every year. If you maintain this stand of clover, it's coming back. So and I may a, be the only person that thought that. So I the don't perennials, know. we have a. And there's another misconception that perennials are usually the white clovers, correct? Well, there are annuals and perennials, and then the flowers. I mean, some some species are called certain things, but it may or may not. It, you're right. There's a lot of confusion. So you can you can have red or white perennials or annuals, or something that's just doesn't even really fit that. So they're not great descriptors. I got you. And there's a lot of confusion. So fixation isn't really a white, isn't really a red. Um, I guess if you wanted to call it, I mean, some people would call it a white just because it's got a white flower, but it's not even really white, right? It's got a pink base. That's right. It's, it's mostly pink. Moving. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the seed becomes almost pink or red, you know, when it's, you know, when I. Orange. Orange. Should right. be orange. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was, it's colorful. How about that? Those details get away from him that, sometimes. That's right. At pink, red, what's the difference? But anyway. Um, if Orange. If, yeah, orange. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and we coat it and put that orange color on it intentionally so that you know it's been inoculated. That's great. Because um, that's okay. that's what will set that um, helps it set that nitrogen in the soil, so it comes with that rhizobium. Now, Miss Rissa, don't you have a little cattle background with your father and farming? And yep, I grew up on a beef beef farm. Right yep, out here. It took yeah. me a long time to get my dad to try fixation on the in his pastures. 
Yeah. And when we finally did, it was pretty pretty exciting. Right. Yeah. So so you grew up on a bee farm and you developed you helped develop a, a clover that had exceptional cold tolerance. Those don't sound like coincidences. Well, again, you're giving me probably a little more credit than I deserve on the breeding side of it. Jerry Hall, my business partner, is the one who's the breeder. I get to I get to follow along, and then I get to talk about it. That's, right, that's my right. Kind of thing. And you've mentioned Jerry a lot of times when we talk, and and uh, I've never talked to Jerry. I really always deal with you and and own it. But uh, you tell Jerry that we really enjoy it. I can tell you that, and and we're putting it out here as much as we can. And I'm gonna tell you, it's taking a lot of traction. I get a lot of calls. And uh, last year, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and um, I had a, a lot of my buddies when this Belenza fixation Belenza started coming out, we started getting a lot of hype and a lot of, you know, we're taking pictures of it, we're doing tours, and, and people are really, really talking about it. So a lot of people can't get it because they're not a dealer, I guess, to get it from you. So what they got is the next best thing. They got regular Belenza, and it is totally different because my guys, some, some of them called me and said, hey, Chris, I got some at Blends. I said, well, where did you get it? He said, well, I got it at the local co-op. I said, no, you didn't either. You didn't get the right kind. So it is a, it really is, and that's a big thing that, that I wanted, and I told Brent, but that fixation label, that other Belenza does not grow and does not have the wet feet tolerant and does not have that growth, which is that tonnage that we're looking for, you know, to feed those miles. And and um and it's it's a total different it's a different product wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and you know from a breeding perspective because that's what we do breeding and research. Um, you're developing products to to perform certain ways, right? And to elevate that performance and consistency. Um, and to my knowledge, before we brought fix you know, developed fixation and brought it to market. Um, there really wasn't anybody that had thought about Balanza Clover um, using it in the U.S. at all. Uh, once we started seeing some success, then, yeah, there were a lot of Me Too's out there and people importing Balanza seed from other countries. Right. Well, it wasn't bred for our soil types or our climates. Then um, they're trying. I, I think there are people that are trying to, to, to get there. But, I mean, fixation is so unique. It's got a patent. If that tells you anything, normally here in the U.S. with seed, we get PVP protection, which is plant variety protection. Right. Um, so there's a process to go through for that, but it it only protects you so far and only, um, well, so we went after a patent and we did receive that patent. And we've got two clovers now that are patented. That's and awesome. It, and I think they're the only ones in the world, only clovers in the world that have been, have gone through a patent process. They're, they're that unique. I'm going to go through and describe a little bit at... at... So when people look at clover and they think about clover, they think about clover in, the, say, the churchyard or, or in a yard, you know, little thin stem, you know, looking for the four-leaf clover for good luck. But the Belenza is so different. It's, it's a, when it gets mature, the reason I liked it, when you start seeing crimson clovers and, and not really on white, but arrow-leaf clovers, and you start seeing a lot of those clovers, when they get older toward maturity, they get stemmy, they get tough, but the Belenza is hollow. It is a, yes. it's, it's a hollow stem, and it's really unique because I've never seen another one like it. But it's just as tender, and you could take them when it's almost when it's almost playing out in late May. Still you can palatable. take it, it; it's palpable, and you can see where they're biting it, and it's just hollow stem. It looks like a green straw. I mean, when they bite it, and and they take yeah. it, it, it's really cool to see it but you can understand why a deer a cow would prefer it because it's not stemmy and it's not tough and it's not what we call what we call rank or our you know or, or you know hardness yeah it's it, it's it's really a tender species even when it's old and that's a really cool yeah, part and of it's it. It, it is really gentle on the rumen and i think that's why it makes such a great forage whether it's livestock or wildlife um, because it, it, exactly what you said, those, those hollow stems are so um, soft, easy to eat, um, processed by the rumen. You're not seeing a lot of it slide out the back, and that's why you're getting the additional weight gain. Um, and we have other, you know, other clover species that we've developed as well that are also hollow stem. And I want to hear um, about them in a little bit, but I want you to tell me, what do you think protein levels on the fixation? Uh, I know you've checked them. What do you, what do you think? I have... I think the highest we've seen is like 26. 
26% um, protein. Let me tell you might, something. Might have seen some higher ones, right. but yeah, that, that's still that's high. Let me tell you something. That puts it out there. You know, you see them in soybean fields, 25, 26% protein. Uh, Ladino clovers were known to be 20, you know, up, upwards of 20% protein. So once I mix, so my mix that I'm doing cereal grains and blends in the same plot, I'm giving them best of both worlds. You know, our cold here. And we, we don't have long duration either. No, you know, we'll, have, I mean, we'll have, it'll get cold, but it doesn't stay cold. That's right. So I'll tell you this to give you a little shout out. So last year we had a hard, hard freeze. And I think me and you talk, talked about this yeah, polar winter, winter, winter storm Elliot yeah. Christmas. And, and it, it hit. And, and what it did, it wiped a lot of our food plots. It turned them brown as a gourd. But I tell you this, it wiped out some of my first year white clover i mean smoked it killed it but i tell you it did what it didn't do it didn't kill that balenza that balenza come on strong and it, and it it browned up my it browned up my wheat and stuff temporarily but it never browned that balenza that balenza come right on through and it was beautiful stand and like i have every year it's it's just just a it's a magnificent clover and it is it is a really it's a game changer when it comes to managing for white-tailed deer it is that good so it, so it grows in wet feet. It's cold tolerant. It's twenty six percent protein. We've established that it's, that it's palatable and it's preferred. They and like to big, eat it. Rissa, uh, do you have any things on the tonnage? What it produces per acre? Yeah, I had a, a something pulled up from this is from a farm in on the border of Indiana and Illinois, and he's producing it to replace his his fertilizer. But you know, in um, See, he took measurements on May 20th, June 4th, and June 8th. And, and Chris, I know you've seen the way fixation can explode. I mean, it can right. it can grow two inches or better a day that's right. when it really gets when it, going. That's right. When it goes. But in May, in May 20th, he had about 3,800 pounds an acre. On June 4th, it had already jumped to 6,800 pounds an acre. And by June 8th, he had over 12,700 pounds. Good night. An acre. Okay, so. I mean, we've seen it just go. So, yeah, so that's huge from a tonnage standpoint, and and where I was going with that list of accolades as I was uh, as I was leading up to, what about the fixation property? So what about the nitrogen fixation, which seems to be look the name is fixation melanza. You lead with fixation, so that's got to be a pretty big deal yep. in terms of this product development and and why you're able to patent it. So so tell us about that because there's a lot of buzz, right? You know. We, we, we mentioned earlier on about, about yeah. regenerative ag and, 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 and reducing the inputs required, you know, run it double crop and run another crop behind mm -hmm. a legume. So how, how does that, how does the fixation piece of this, tell us about that? It's, it's just as exciting. Um, on that same trial that that farmer did, and this was Rick Clark, just in case anybody happens to have heard his name, because he's out there talking about a lot of stuff too. He gets almost as excited as you, Chris, about <laughs> fixation. Um, but the nitrogen in those three dates on May 20th was 75 pounds an acre. On June 4th, it had jumped 114 pounds an acre. And by June 8th, it was up to 262 pounds an acre. Golly. Now that's just a piece of the puzzle because once it's there, then you want to know when is it available for the next crop or right. for the other plants around it. Right. And that's something that, that we are currently doing a lot of research on. Um, and I really hope by this fall, we may have some initial information off. I can tell you from watching the research plots out here, it's pretty exciting. And even with some of these new clovers, I think you're going to be excited about it too. Um, yeah, those are Because you can see the wave of the corn based on which plot it was in and how tall it was. That's, that's, that's awesome. That, that's some impressive stat. But you start talking about the tonnages, like you said, that 12,000 pounds to the acre, which we know that's, that's magnificent. That's a great site. But if you well, think about Well, it almost about, doubled in four days. That, but you the think the about, increase is what's isn't impressive. That crazy? Yeah, right? The yeah. increase is yeah. crazy. But you think about managing deer, and we're looking at managing mouths, okay? We're, 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 trying, to, we're trying to carry the most deer with a small amount. Most of the time, food plots here, when you say, Brent, acre and less? When you think, yeah. So if you're leasing land from a timber company, they really don't have plots laid out for wildlife, which they should. And we're starting to put them in a lot of our management areas that we're managing land. We're telling our landowners, hey, let's let's start leaving some spots for these deer hunters. Improve some of this recreation. That's right. We're wanting some of these twenty dollar leases. Well, here's what you got to do. You got to mm. get them off of a road. You know, yeah. seven eight dollar leases that we get now. We got to get them off these roads and get them in, and get them a nice field they can shoot on. And um, so. At those kind of tonnages, 
if you could get Belenza on a small basis, you're going to feed a lot of deer with that. And, and I know how much I'm planting. They don't eat mine up. They can't. I've got them. I've got them. I've got them right now. They can't, they can't clean the plate at my place. And, and so we're not talking about, you know, 40, 50, and 60 acres of it because some fields I do have some white clover planted, which I've told you before, and uh, because you've sent me some other stuff to try. And, um, you know, but the Belenza has really taken over, and, and it's really, I'm, I'm telling you, they can't eat it. So I've got the most food as any of my neighbors you're feeding them the the timing of this is important also when you're coming out of like you know late winter the timing you've got all that tonnage available at, at a good time of year when they need it too so a, a, a big weight for a deer here risk is about what we say 185 to 200 pounds yeah for a, for a five-year-old deer here you know we're growing some and mitt's growing some now we have good soils don't get me wrong and we let them get five and six years old but I mean, we're growing some way 260 pounds. So, and we got does. Wow. What, Brent, you killed a doe weighed almost 160. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, big so just growing those deer and, and it's, and it goes back to nutrition. Yeah. Um, so the more, like I said, the, the more, the better food I can grow. And, and, well, you know, know I, don't, I don't think, let's just don't let it get lost on you've got this option, this high protein relatively easy to grow because didn't you say from you know a pretty wide ph range from four to eight so and you can grow it in these areas that may not have the perfect drainage so you're able to create you're growing basically a superfood in an area that may not necessarily have everything perfect to grow something else i mean well to get a food i I think you're right I think there is one thing, though, you talked about timing, and I think this is important to mention that in order to get that biomass that we were talking about, it needs to be fall planted. Fixation is unique in that respect. Right. Um, if you spring plant it, you'll get a little bit. You might get more of what you might expect out of another clover, but you're certainly not going to get that biomassive growth. You don't have the time, you do you? You don't have the time before right. the heat would get it. Is that right? Because it's it's putting it's that root early system. in its lifespan, it's putting all of its energy or most of its energy into its root growth, which can support the top growth later yeah. on. Yeah, we're we're usually a fall and matter of fact, I, I we're starting to plant those food plots now and, and in the next two or three weeks we'll be wide open. We try to get them all planted here by what, middle of October? Yeah, it depends on rain and hurricane. We we do a hurricane season and everyone's working around that. Right. But so on we talk about fall planting one of these blends with with a with a couple of cereal grains. You you go in and top dress it with this clover, you add that clover in and, and what or what not to do. Walk me through what to do or what not to do. Well, Chris probably has most of the on ground experience with that, but I'll tell you from from my experience there's been you want to plant them if you can plant them together unless you have to plant them separately because there is a big difference so it might depend on what you're putting it with right Um, the ballistic the size and the shape and the weight it can settle in a cedar if you're just talking a single acre it's probably not nearly as problematic as it can be for a row crop farmer who's planting thousands of acres yeah so that seed if you if you mix it in a cedar it's going to sift and it's not going to be evenly distributed she's right about that so when i've planted clover before i've gone behind like i've planted what i was going to plant went back over with a drag or whatever i was going to do and put and then top dress that that so i drill my i have a drill and and you know you can rent them from different places but i drill mine and I'm pretty heavy seeding because I'm not trying to go to, I'm not trying to go to production on my cereal grains. So I'll, I'll go 80 to 100 pounds on cereal grains, and then I like that 10 pound of Belenza that I drill in there with them. Okay, so it lays it on top. Now, but what where Brent's saying, and and I've done it both ways. Uh, before I had my drill, I would plant my wheat, my oats, and my, you know, Elbon rye, and then I would come back over it with a cedar, even a hand cedar. You know, they got them now that's got a battery power, Brent. They, they're cats meow. Yeah. But um, you have to do a little walking. But, you know, we come back over and top dress the Belenza clover on top of it and let the rain put it in the ground. That's the perfect, you know, but now you can call to pack and do all that if you've got all that stuff. But, you know, it's. Yeah. I've always said do, do it, plant it, finish the seed bed, it. and then go back and And I'll tell you it. what I have seen, and I think, Miss Rissa talked about it one time, but I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen them put that blends out and then mow grass clippings on top of it. 
Put that then, thatch over the put top. Put that thatch right? over top. Here it comes. It, it it's coming. But, yeah, you uh, just need to get that seed to soil contact. Yeah, and that's it, the, it's a really that's good, the biggest. This thing. is a really good point because I I have seen people drill it a little too deep. That's um, it. And especially if you're putting it in a mix with other grains, you always want to plant to the most shallow seeding depth. And the perfect seeding depth for fixation would be a quarter inch or less, or actually yes. an eighth of an inch or less. So That's right. You right. get much deeper down there, and it's not—it's gonna—it's gonna have to work too hard to come up. And well, it's, it's, you, it's you don't want seed—you don't want to throw it in behind yeah. that disc no. where, you, where you disc it thirty times. And, and, and the thing is, and, and Mitt is—is—that's his one of his big things. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna rob this from Mitt. But when you see these commercial blends where they have clovers in there. Nobody talks about the depth unless you get that seed bank real good. You throw that seed on top, unless you run over it with a cultipacker or lightly disc, not disc, I just don't even tell you that, lightly drag over it, you're going to cover it too deep. And then you're going to say, oh, man, that stuff ain't no good. People, I think the biggest misconception on clovers is people cover it too deep. But like Brent said, putting it on top of that ground and letting that water you know, if you don't have a drill, most people don't have a drill when they got smaller tracks, you know. Um, if you only got two food plots on your place, 80 acres or 100 acres, you're not going to own a drill. Um, and you're probably not going to go through to go rent one. So you're going to disc it, pull it with an ATV, don't you figure, Brent, and you're going to, you know, plant it. But that Belenza, fixation Belenza, needs to be top-dressed by itself. Don't cover it up with the wheat because you're going to have failure with it every time. And, and, I mean, people need to know that because it is costly. You know, people say $3 a pound. Oh, my God. But they'll but they'll kill a deer and they'll pay $700 to get it mounted. Yeah, you know? so you put that, so, you, you put your, you go in and plant, you put your test basket around. Should you expect to see that clover in the fall? Because I know a lot of those blends, you, you plant something and, and everybody say, well, you won't see that clover till spring. Well, but I would tell you from my experience in the different places across the country that I've seen it in the fall, you're seeing it just kind of peep out of the ground early on. And you should mm -hmm. see it germinate pretty quickly, mm -hmm. but you're just going to see a light green fuzz. Um, and it, and it really doesn't do a whole lot in the fall. And I think that also helps with its cold tolerance too, because right. you don't have so many um, plant cells above the ground that are susceptible to, you know, that have moisture in them and they're mostly water, right? So yeah. if you have a lot of moisture above the ground and it gets hit with a freeze, um, it's going to freeze those plants out. So I think that's a protection trait. So that goes to what you said design. earlier about it's building the root system. So and, that, and that's how you produce that all that tonnage late. Miss Rissa, let me tell you, let me tell you what we've been seeing on these stands that we're planting year after year. We're seeing Belenza clover like last year, three or four inches tall in the fall. Now you know well as I do, that's not coming from that hard seed. That's coming from that seed that's in that ground. So yeah. once the, and really, I, a lot of times I'll wait till the, um, in October to plant mine because I plant so many other food plots for other clients and, and we'd plant a lot of stuff, probably, I don't know, a couple hundred acres a year. But what I am seeing is when I go to my place, I've got the most beautiful stand of, of blends of clover and I'm having to drill through it. It makes me want to throw up because, but it comes right back, but it's, it's great. And what we're seeing is that stuff is already sticking up and I pulled some stuff back today just to see and i've already got some popping the ground now um and, and here now so that's september clover that's coming and you know all we need is a is the the right climate conditions yeah. and it's coming i could probably yeah. it's, it stays in that soil bank it's coming and we're seeing that so we're getting now off of these plots we're getting a pretty good stand of three or four inch clover in the fall well and chances are if you were to dig up those plants you'd find roots that are much further along and that's supporting that top load. That's awesome. I didn't think about that, but that makes and a lot that's, of sense. And that's, you know, the, the common misperception is that whatever top growth you have, you have an equal amount of root system. In some circles, that's just been the, the thought, the, the what everybody thought was going on. But what we're finding is that is not the case at all. Um, and it's not just fixation, Balanza. It's uh, some other species as well. Root systems can go far beyond what you're seeing on the top of the ground. And that's why it's always a good idea to go out there and dig up a few plants, see what you see, see what's, right. see what's happening in the microbiome in the soil. So our local dealers here, and, and, and you told me, and I've been dealing with these guys for a good while, but Wildlife Management Solutions out of Utah, Alabama, you, you've kind of got a partnership with them. And I tell you, those guys are, yep. they are solid guys. I mean, Daniel and them, they, they love it. They're, they're food plot people. And I mean, they, 
really what I take my hats off for them, Brent, they kind of said, you know what, we're going to sell food plot mixes and we're going to make a living doing it. And, and I'll tell you, they, they're growing some really, really, they got some really, really attractive blends. And, and plus you can buy it. You know, so they're, it, a they're a dealer, fixation yeah. blends a dealer. They are, they are, they're great. Like you said, I can't say enough good about them either. And they, they do their homework. Well, you know, Daniel's a wildlife biologist. That's right. Um, and between the two of them, they do their own plots. They so do. they'll, they'll see what, you know, Bronson's doing and other people are doing around them. That makes a big unless difference. Unless they put it, that, yeah, if they don't experience. put it in their plots and they don't see a consistent performance or something that they like, they're not going to carry it. Yeah. They, they are top notch. We, when we started this podcast, we wanted to, put information out, stuff that, that we live, we've done, we sit on a tractor, we plant it. You know, we're not getting it from somebody else. We're getting it from real-life experiences. And um, I, I've got nothing. Anybody asks me about fixation balloons, I can tell you I'm 100% on it. And, and, yeah. and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to get it to anybody that's, that's managing white-tailed deer, whether in a pen or not, it's 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 one of the best clovers on the market for white-tailed deer. It's, it's yeah. just a tough clover. Oh yeah, Look, and you know, Miss Rich, that one picture it flooded sixteen times that one year, Brent. You remember that awful year we had about four years ago when we flooded and flooded and flooded. said, you know what? I've lost it, mud yeah. all over it. Shoot, you never. Well, then another when when March got there. Yeah, it's I mean, just like you had never it had never been bottom there. land hardwood. you just don't see that i mean yeah. you just don't see that that tough um now let me ask you this you got some other products this ain't your only thing what what other products did you got that you kind of that y'all doing some research on that you really like you sent me oh, some gosh. clover last year that i really liked was it a persian was that what it was yes yeah yeah it depends on how much time you've got because we got a lot of stuff going on right but, right tell me um, pick for, the best for your, yeah that, i think that enhanced persian clover is really unique and i think it's going to have a good fit in the area where you, you talk about like limitations of different species i would say fixations achilles heel is probably in the really cnd soils mm -hmm. the really well-drained soils we've seen that it can dry out and it doesn't get that adequate moisture constantly um that's where you're probably going to see it have some issues right but the, the enhanced persian um, is incredibly good in those in those sandy or well-drained soils and very adept at making good use of moisture. And so it's last more, year more we drought were planting tolerant. our more drought tolerant. Um, when we were planting our seed production fields last year, we were planting into a drought. Everybody was, right? We didn't know what was going to come up. Um, our field guy was running around and, and went to one of our Persian production fields, the enhanced, um, and he, he was sending pictures and he's like, you gotta see this. It was only from the dew that we received. Um, it started germinating. Wow. It started establishing. That's pretty sure. So we thought that was pretty exciting to see that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something we'd seen on the research side, but you don't get those unique climatic conditions that that make a trait like that show up very wow. often. That's awesome. Brent, she sent me, look, she tried to bait me up. She sent me some honey off of some of that stuff, and it was <laughs> dynamite. But it was off of different ones that, that uh, some, you know, that's flower neat. honey. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Off the Persian well, or the, off the Yeah, you got the fixation, and that we fixation, also have frosty, honey. which is yeah, frosty. a Bersine clover. Mm -hmm. And that's another one that... that I've planted has, it. It's pretty good. Yeah. It, it grows faster in the fall than the fixation. Then, yes, you agree? it does. It's, yeah. it's also a hollow stem um, clover, and it, it looks a lot like alfalfa. Mm -hmm. Until it flowers, a lot of people think it's it is alfalfa. alfalfa. And it was number... Uh, Fixation and Frosty flip-flopped in Bronson's trials different years. One was number one at attracting deer, and the other one was number two, and then the other year they flip-flopped. And so Frost, both of them are very good at it. Frosty is a Bersim. Bersim. Mm -hmm. Now, it does, it's not as prolific of a reseeder. I mean, it, I've seen it recede, but I'm not going to tell you to bank on that. And it's uh, an, an, it's an annual. Is it a long-term annual? Wouldn't you call it a long-life annual? Would you kind of say that? Or mm. about this, this, I mean, it's going to go into the it's going to go into the summer further, right? If, the, if that's what you're referring yes. to, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And and both of these are the the Bersim and the Balanza clovers are indeterminate flowering species, and I think that gives it more resilience too. So where like a crimson is a you know so it's one and done, and it's um, I mean it will recede but it only flowers for a very short period of time. That's right. The fixation and the frosty and even this enhanced Persian will flower for, you know, up to two months. I mean, it just keeps mm -hmm. throwing more and more flowers out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A white does that. We have a 
we have some clover down here. We plant a Durana white clover, and it, it flowers like that all just boom, 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 boom. Um, if if you um, you're playing with a little, you're playing with some alfalfa varieties now, aren't you? Aren't y'all? We are. Yeah. That's another one that's super exciting. If mm -hmm. you're in, uh, well. Actually, it's going to have a lot of applications, so I'm not even going to limit it to what it can do. Sure. But um, we're starting, we are in the process of measuring its carbon sequestration. Um, and it's not the sativa type alfalfa that you may be familiar with, the, the purple flowered one. Right. This is a falcata alfalfa, which is, um, well, you'll find it on rangelands because it's extremely drought tolerant. It's got a yellow flower that grows through rhizomes, so you could cut it down at the stem and still potentially have it recede. Or not That's receive, awesome. I'm sorry, regrow, regrow. fill back in again. Right. Um, so make it more browse tolerant? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. It's been, typically it's been very um, prostrate in growth. So it doesn't, it doesn't, like the fixation versus frosty grow straight up right away. Right. Uh, the falcata, uh, our falcata, which we've not named yet. It's not right. commercially available yet. Right. We're, we're getting there. Right. Um, but it is more of a prostate growth. It'll grow upright so that you could... You could take it for hay, for hay. you Cutting could it for hay. graze it a lot more, um, and well, actually you could graze it to the ground, and it still has the potential to fill itself back in. I'll tell you, we're, we're very weird down here by, as far as alfalfa. Bulldog, we have a bulldog, I think it's like 805, or, and, and it's, a, it's, a, um, it's tough for us to grow alfalfa down here. I don't know if it's just the heat. It's, the heat's pretty rough on it, and... and we get a lot of disease type stuff in, in a, but we have tried it. Dr. Edwards, Brian, I don't know if you remember, he grew some alfalfa and I mean, the deer just destroyed it, but it was like one year done. It was very expensive to establish. It and cost was, us pretty high. Yeah, and that was probably a sativa type. It was exactly yeah. what it was. And I think yeah. those are, those are not as resilient as a falcata type. I mean, there's in, I think it's Wyoming, Montana or Wyoming. There's a, a rangeland trial that they had done over 60 years ago. Well, they haven't touched it in that 60 years. It's still there. Wow. Um, and so that's non-irrigated, deserty area, very drought prone. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be, uh, well, we've got a, a lot of interest in the falcata already. And I, I think I think it's going to be like the fixation down there in the wildlife. That's, that's awesome. I think this is another thing that's going to come in and, and create some excitement. And, you know, you're going to attract a lot of deer. Yeah, that's so right. saying that, kind of... Is, is the is the interest in, in in the food plot and the wildlife side is it is it sort of making a measurable impact to your business i mean um, i think yeah for sure i think you know between you know, things that chris was seeing and that word of mouth and then when wildlife management came in i mean they the the orders just skyrocketed yeah so you um, so awesome. you see it so it's, it's it's a meaningful difference in oh, business. absolutely it's a big and, business it's here Rissa. it's a big business here i mean you know we always laugh that we're gonna we're gonna buy that we're gonna buy that that seed has got the biggest buck on the sack you know and, it, and it's I mean it's <laughs> unbelievable that people what they'll spend on food plots and and just because it's it's kind of the start off of getting into the game and and getting it going it's kind of the what do we call it Brent the the uh, well it's it's sort of kickoff of hunting if season. you will the hunting season and yeah. fall but also I think the casual. The casual hunter, the and I say the casual hunter, the guy who has a lease or owns some property, and I say the casual land manager, that food plot may be the land management that he does. That's right. And so you know you can you can go as deep as you want to on whether that is really you know habitat management, land management, what you're really but doing. It but is. that it is, it and is. that may be what they do. And you know it makes you proud to me, and I know other people when you plant something. And it grows. You and, feel like and, and a farmer. You're taking pictures of it. You feel like you're Look, you're giving guy, back. A guy works back. at a bank. Yeah, that's right. And he made it through the summer. Right. And it's getting to be fall. And and he can get he can hook to that tractor on Saturday morning before everybody else in the house wakes up. And he's got all day. Is I mean that's there's that's it. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good living right there. You know, that's, you go plant food that. plots and have the work day, and then you go back in three weeks when, or when the family's in town for Thanksgiving, and everybody goes and gets a shooting house, and they see your green field and your food plot. That I mean, that's. But what I was, what I, and I ain't told Brent yet, but Saturday morning, Chris and I was really glad to see it because I love the product, and so I was in a uh, store here in Columbus, Mississippi, Four Seasons. The guy's got in East Columbus, and and I know him. He's, but he's kind of hooked up with WMS and. So when I got in there, I was had a big line waiting. I was buying some wheat, 
three-way mix, Elbon rye, clover, I mean, Elbon rye, wheat, and oats. So I was sitting there waiting in line, so I was just kind of browsing in the store, and he had a whole section of Belenza clover. Fixation Belenza? Fixation Belenza. Nice. Yes, yeah, that is the right question. <laughs> That's it. He had you like, you whole, like that, Reese? But, but he had it <laughs> broke. Like it, but what I liked about it, he had it broke down, Brent, five-pound sack, 10-pound sack. Yeah. He had it where the small, the guy uh, that don't uh, have is, it. Is it okay for him to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I'm about to say, I don't know if I need to go back and clip look, it out, edit it out, if there was look, some quantity restrictions on how to Just because Rissa no, lives in Oregon, she's still a capitalist. She's still got the, <laughs> right. hey, the green, the green hey, stamps you know, up there too now. Uh, it's you know, like those little Debbie cakes you see said not for individual sale. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> with the with the big buck on the bag and everything. And, and, you know, from our perspective as researchers and breeders, we're, we really want everybody along the chain to benefit from anything we do. That includes the seed producers here that are producing the seed right. that ends up on your food plot, right? Or on a farm that, a row crop farmer that's trying to, to do good things to a soil with the right. cover crops. Yep. Um, it's important, and that's why sometimes we're, we're like, as a salesperson, I'm anxious to get a product out there when I'm seeing some exciting stuff on the research farm. Right. Um, but it's important that we do our job right, that we trial it and make sure that it's going to work where we say it's going to work, and that people like you, Chris, and you, Brent, when you get that bag and you see the go on it or that you know it's a go-see product, that it's, that it's going to perform. Right. Because um, nobody likes to get those calls. It's like, what the heck? Like you were getting the calls. Well, I planted Balanza. What happened? Right. If I get a good stand of it the following years and the following yep. years after it, hey, yep. I'm going to have some out there that, you know, everybody likes that free at buy one, get one free. They, they, they're going to like it. They may, not, they may not have to put but two or three pounds of acre instead of 10. Yeah. But now I like that 10 mix because I don't want anything else in my stand but that Balenza yeah. at the end of that period. And uh, it would make, Miss Rissa, I know they, those farmers do it, but it would make me want to throw up to have to spray that Balenza, that fixation Balenza, and wipe it out to plant a crop in it. But I know the – I know the, You know, that seeds in that, the seed right. bank. Yeah, that's and, right. and so but, that's – but and, a lot and, of the, the, the cover crop people, you know, Brent, they don't care it to maturity. They spray it down and kill it yeah. and plant right through it. So they don't let it, they don't let it yeah, crimp it or, that's yeah. right, roll a roller over it. But, boy, it'd make me sick not to let it go to seed. But I guess those guys, are, it's different. You know, they're not trying to feed Everybody's something. Everybody's got different They're trying to hold moisture and they're trying to do, yep. you know, well, they're trying to build up the micronutrients in that soil. And um, But I just got to believe me growing it is building that stuff up in my soil too. Absolutely. So, so Risa, a couple of things, and I know we've kept you a little longer, and this is your work day. You're a couple of hours behind us. You're probably trying to wrap up a long Monday. I'm good. <laughs> uh, do you recommend that people mow it? Is this clover you need to mow? We talk about maintaining your clover and using a, a selective herbicide. Did, from a food plot standpoint, do you recommend mowing? the mow? Uh, well, I would ask Chris, but I, I, I would say mowing, you have to be careful that you never mow a, below that growing point or you are going to terminate the plant. Yep. Okay. And, it, and she's right. You will because I was playing with some stuff and, and I was telling Rissa about it. I was playing with some turkey stuff. So I mowed some on the roadside, Rissa. I mowed it before it matured and it smoked it. It, yeah. it You know, you got to let it go. And, and that's, hey, it, but if that's the game that you're playing – that's right. You Just like you talk it, about the farmer, it, like yeah, there may be right. some areas where you want to go want in it. and so mow it. So we mow it down so you can feed the deer for that long, and then you mow it when you get ready to kill your turkeys, and you just replant some more next year, right? Yeah. Now, one thing people are going to wonder this because a lot of people don't know. Could you tell us how do you combine it? Is it combine or is it how is it picked? I mean, a lot of people, you know, we don't grow any clover down here and combine it, but it. it well, it, I tell it, you, it, it took it took a little bit for our seed producing farmers right to 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 travel to for seed and i tell you they they it dries down so it does get you know so you can pull it up and i can send you videos that, sh that it's pretty interesting to watch them pull it up with the combine um but their biggest frustration was because it is such a tiny seed um they were losing a lot of it just a shatter was just going right back on the ground right. so even though they were pulling quite a bit of seed into the combine i bet they it would were be tough. they were watching a lot of it just stay on the ground behind them which was not what they wanted but um, yeah. Yeah, I would love for you to send us that video because, you know, you wonder, because most of the clovers here, except for Durana, is really grown Oregon in the northern states. And, you know, right. most of our most of our crimson clovers grown up in Oregon. And, and uh, I don't know why Oregon's a stickler for clover, but it is. It, it's a, it's a, 
it's very popular. You read on the back of the bags and, and it does that. But uh, well, we have the perfect climate for cool season seed production. Right. That's great. Well, Brent, what you think? I think I've learned a lot about about clover and about <laughs> fixation melanza. Well, the, the big thing is, and, and to tell any listeners, and, and I can say this, and Ms. Riss is real modest, but fixation, if it, if it does not have that fixation, that biomass on that bag, stay clear of it. It is not the same product. Just because it has that funny name, Belenza, but it's got to have that fixation. And, and y'all got a little marketing bag. It's pretty cool. And I'll, well, we'll take a picture of Brent, put it on our Break those bags down and sell in smaller quantities, you know, we don't have that. And we've got to, and one thing about WMS, they've been really good because I looked at their tag. They've been really good at putting that fixation balloons in front of it. And, and, and those guys do a really, really good job down there. I'll tell you, if anybody's close to those guys, those guys are really sharp. That's their, that's their game. And, and they do a good job of it. We're a little far from them. I say that a little far, hour and a half, I guess, hour 45 minutes. But um, they're they do a really good job, and they sell a lot of seed, and and, and I'm glad you kind of, I'm glad you partnered up with them because that's really put put your product out there, that availability, you know. Because look, I was wanting to hog it a little bit. So I was on a game in town with it for a while, and <laughs> and you know, so. Well, I, I was glad they found us. They actually made yes. the call, and and I think I talked to Dale the first time he called in, and it was a it's been a great partnership from there on right. out. It's it's, yeah. it's been a good product. I can tell you that. Probably you, thanks. Uh, you probably, tell you tell Jerry, and one day I'm gonna meet him or talk to him. But it's it's a spectacular wildlife product. Well, I know it wasn't intention. Out. Come visit us. Probably another come thing. Visit the research farm. Probably another thing we can thank Bronson for too. Bronson Strickland, ain't no yeah. question. Anybody, I, I I put it in every food plot mixture that you know as as far as people ask me. I put it in there, and, and, and I get all calls. Now, what did you say that stuff was? But anyway. Well, along those well, lines. that makes me happy. Yeah. Thank you. Risa, tell us, uh, tell us where people can find you. Tell us where uh, your social media, your website, where, where can oh, we send people? Sure, sure. Well, if you want to find out more like in-depth about fixation, there's a specific website. It's just called fixationclover.com. Okay. Uh, but you can find more about all of our products at goseed.com. Okay, and I think I've seen some links back to fixationclover.com from GoSeed, from Facebook, some of the yeah. some of the graphics and some of the things y'all put up over the years. Look, I appreciate you marking us out a little time, and we've been talking about it, but I just, me and Brent were talking about doing some of these shorts, and the food plot season is really, really We were going to do a short. We're an hour into yeah, this thing. Right. And, <laughs> and look, early on, I got to say early on that uh, if, if it got a little sketchy, I, we, we did a little seat swapping, and, and Chris had the wrong microphone in front of him, and then our Zoom I had to go in and subscribe and pay for Zoom. It was going to cut us off. So I did all that during the podcast. <laughs> well, when I pointed at the screen, I wasn't pointing at you. I was pointing. It said 10 minutes left. I said, uh-oh. But uh, Brent, Brent's pretty so we, look, so he's we a technical. It. He's a technical genius, I can tell you, out of out of us. So. Yeah. Well, look, Risa, I appreciate your time. Well, yeah. I have listened to your podcast, and they are fantastic. And I would recommend anybody reaching out to you guys for your experience because, as you said, you want to lean on those people and not have to learn the same mistakes over and over again. Yep. You yep. can save a lot of time and money. Sounds great. Yep. All right, well, look, thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you. Yep. Have a good one. Thank you.